Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What an awesome day to come together this Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday. I'm so excited to be with all of you this morning. Uh, and those of you who will watch later, maybe listen in your car, wherever you are on the podcast, we welcome you in Jesus' name on this special day that we celebrate as Christians all around the world. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have been uh, thinking about this week and remembering the the Friday, Good Friday. Good Friday. We remembered that it was that day he was he was taken to be uh, crucified, and uh, then he was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, on Sunday morning, he rose again, defeating death. And today we are just so thankful. Um, you know, I was reminded of an old song. We you know that. We, we know, we believe the tomb is empty because our hearts are so full. And I want to tell you today, without Jesus, your heart is empty. Jesus is the only one that can fill your heart, not just to fill it, but to fill it with his presence, with his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. He wants to save us from our sins. This is what Jesus came to do. And the, the fact that he rose again is the reason we're standing here today, is the reason we can rejoice. Why? Because what Jesus did has created for us the opportunity to stand before a holy God because of what Jesus did. And we're going to get into that this morning. Um, I believe it's, it's important that, that in this time that we remind our children uh, that during this time, it's not about a bunny. It's about Jesus Christ rising from the dead. I know those are things that we do to have a good time with kids, but that is not the reason for the season. Amen. The reason that we celebrate Easter and the reason we celebrate this day is because we're remembering what Jesus Christ did, his resurrection, and that the tomb is empty. And because of that, those who have trusted in him have been saved and justified uh, in order to be able to go into heaven forever with him and to live with him forevermore. And so our hearts are rejoicing today. And uh, I pray that my children in here today, those who are right here in this room, would, would be impacted by what Jesus has done for us as we uh, continue in the book of Galatians this morning. I want us to look at chapter two. This is where we've been and we're going to be our main text is going to be uh, Galatians chapter two verses 11 through 21. This is we're going to end this chapter this morning, Lord willing, um, you know, uh, I'll do my best <laughs> to do so. And man, I'm just so thankful for what Jesus has done. And I believe that this message, this is a moment that we're going to just begin to look at a confrontation that the Apostle Paul has with, with the Apostle Peter, I think is going to bring about the truth of the gospel for us today as we are thinking and memorizing, uh, uh, memorializing this day as a, as, a, as a body of Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I really believe, even though this was not a resurrection sermon. There is resurrection power all over this particular uh, confrontation between Paul and Peter concerning the truth of the gospel. And uh, I want us to, to talk about, that is the title of the message this morning, the truth of the gospel. Let's pray as we get ready to jump in the word of God. Father, we love you and thank you so much for your faithfulness. This morning we come rejoicing because of what you did over 2,000 years ago, Lord Jesus, you, you, were, you were hung on a cross for our sins. And not just for our sins, but for the sins of the world. And you were buried in a tomb, in a borrowed tomb, Lord. 
You were buried there for three days. And on the third day, the Bible says that death was defeated. You rose again, proving yourself to be the powerful son of God. As Romans 1 declares, we who have believed on you now receive that salvation and that justification because of what you did. And this morning, Lord, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to every heart. Lord, I pray it won't just be another service or another Easter for someone, but today may be the day of salvation for someone. Right here in this room, someone might be listening later. Somebody I may never meet in my life may be hearing this message, but they would call on the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would open their hearts to receive. Lord, break down the, the hardened hearts. So many hearts are hardened, Lord. I pray, God, that you would soften their hearts, that they might hear and they might believe on the Son of God that they would know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the only means for their justification, the only means for their righteousness, the only means for their salvation, Lord. It comes through Jesus Christ and Him alone. There is no other name given to men under heaven by which we must be saved. I ask your Holy Spirit to come upon me, Lord. Lord, I am incompetent in myself to preach the gospel, but Lord, it is your grace that makes me competent to do it. And I ask you, Lord, to fill me, Lord, that I may preach your word, Lord, as you would have me do it, Lord. Give me the grace today to be able to do so, Lord. In Jesus' name, and I promise, Lord, to give you the glory and the honor. Holy Spirit, have your way. Convict every heart. Bring about transformation as the word of God is proclaimed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, so, praise God, we are going to be, let's go ahead and read Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to be in verse 11 through 21. Let's read. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate, from, separate himself from the Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by by birth and not sinful Gentiles, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in, Christ, in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Wow. What a powerful rebuke here that the Apostle Paul makes to the Apostle Paul Peter in his hypocrisy and to the other Jews that were with him. Um, 
Peter's hypocrisy is confronted here. We see in this moment, Paul is writing to the Galatians church is what he's been talking to them again. He's appealing to them, reminding them. Remember, there were these Judaizers that came and brought uh, confusion and was trying to uh, tell them that unless they're circumcised, they can't be saved. Unless they follow the law, they are not truly saved. This was adding to the grace of God. This was adding to the gospel. And if you remember, Paul tells them that the gospel was not revealed to him by men, but through Jesus Christ himself. Paul was declaring what Jesus told him to declare, and therefore he stood so dogmatically against these men because they were preaching another gospel. And remember in chapter 1, he said there is no gospel at all. And so Paul now confronts Peter. He deals with him, and he begins to speak to his heart in this moment of hypocrisy. Uh, Paul did this to give them an example when he confronted him it's an example that showed that Peter and him were equals, that, that Paul was not subject to Peter, but they were equal in their rank and in, in sense before God. They were apostles of Jesus Christ. And therefore, Peter, though they uh, loved each other and, and had mutual submission, but the truth of the matter is that they were equal when it came to the apostolic and, and preaching the gospel and uh, basically the foundations that were to be laid for future generations. Their message is what we proclaim. <laughs> Hallelujah. Peter, James, John, Mark, Matthew, all of the apostles' message and Paul's message were the same. It wasn't different. Why? Because Jesus gave Paul the message of the gospel. And so this is why we need to understand that. Uh, Paul is giving this example, and, and the Apostle Paul giving this demonst demonstrate that God does not show favoritism. We read this last time we were together, where Paul uh, writes here in, in, in uh, verse, uh, verse 6, he says, As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. In other words, Paul was saying, I understand that these men are esteemed. And, and I believe, he, I don't think he disagrees with that. But what he's saying is that though they're esteemed, and yet he is not esteemed as an apostle. He is looked at, hey, this guy, you know, he's not really, you know, he persecuted Christians. And so he's really not like these apostles, right? This is what men would do. That's not what the apostles would do to, to Paul. This is what men in their immaturity would do was put them against each other. And that is what people do today. There are people today in churches who put one leader over another, who put one pastor over another, who say this pastor is more important or that pastor or this leader is more important. This is immature. We should not be living like that. We should understand that we have a role to play within the body of Christ. And as pastors, we are equal before the Lord in our leadership positions. Now, there may be pastors that God has given much uh, more in order to minister and however God has saw fit to do so, but that doesn't make them any better than the others who may not have such a big flock to minister to. We ought to be content with the, what the plot that God has given us and be faithful with it uh, as he promised us to be. He told us to go, he told them, go feed my lambs. And we're not to worry about what this pastor's doing, how many, oh man, he must be a, you, you don't, we don't do that because that's immature. This is not what God would have us to do. We're to we're to, we're to be rejoice when we see God moving in uh, other ministries and be thankful 
as long as it is moving in the sense of biblical truth, not in, in, in heresy, okay? So that's, I mean, I'm not saying that we ought to be clapping hands for the prosperity gospel and health and wealth and all this mess. That doesn't mean that we're to be doing that. We're, we're not to rejoice in that. Why? Because it's leading people astray. It's creating, uh, it's putting people, it's shipwrecking their faith uh, because the gospel is not that. The gospel is that Jesus died for our sins. As the scripture says, he was buried and on the third day he rose again. Hallelujah. That is the essence of the gospel. It isn't about wealth, uh, health, although Jesus can heal us, although Jesus provides for us, although God is able to prosper us. And, and, and the purpose of Him prospering us, as, as we see in the Scriptures, is so that we can be a, a conduit of blessing to others, so that we, in turn, can bless those around us, so that the gospel can continue to be flourishing around the world, that we can use the finances and the possessions that we have in order to be about doing our Father's will on the earth. It's not so that we can hoard it for ourselves and build barns for ourselves and hoard everything. No, it is so that we can begin to be a conduit of blessing. We can be like our Father generous. Amen? This is the heartbeat of God. This is what happens when the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person's life. A transformation takes place and their thinking is different. You know, when he did this, Paul was not on a power trip here. Uh, you know, some people like to confuse things, and and sometimes when someone is is confronting someone who is not in step with the truth, is not living in step with the truth, they may think, "Oh, this person is trying to exercise power." No, no. In reality, what God wants us to do, there are moments where you're going to have to confront hypocrisy. There are times when even your even someone that you love dearly and 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 has always been true to the word can have a moment of hypocrisy, and you may have to confront it. In love, you may have to deal with it. It might be something like this situation where you do it in front of what he was doing because this was real. This was like a an affront to the gospel in the fact that he was drawing away from Gentile Christians. He was drawing away from believers because they weren't Jewish and they weren't uh, they were unclean. You know, this is one of the thoughts that they had. So he had to do this. He wasn't on a power trip at all, but he. It was an example that what Paul preached to them has just as much authority as the Apostle Peter's message. You know, because remember in uh, verse 11 and 12 of chapter 1, Paul's gospel was not of human origin, but was revealed to him by Jesus Christ. Look what it says here. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself revealed the gospel to the Apostle Paul. And the reason he had to confront Peter in this matter was because he was not consistent with the truth of the gospel that Jesus had revealed to all of them. And so Peter writes here, he was to blame for this. It was he's, He stood condemned, right? It says here, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. What does that mean? He wasn't condemned to, to hell. No, he was guilty of doing something hypocritical. And he was guilty of it. And, and Paul's confrontation revealed that he was guilty and he was to blame for this, uh, this hypocrisy that the other Jewish Christians in Galatia were doing, in Antioch were doing in the midst of being around Gentile Christians or even there may have been non-believers who they were there with and talking with. 
sharing the word of God with and breaking bread with them. See, this was a, Peter says, uh, Peter, uh, his, hypocr- his hypocrisy was, Peter withdrew from Gentiles when certain men came to town from James. Uh, he separated himself from the Gentiles and he would not eat with them any longer. Why would he not eat with them? What was so important? Because I guarantee you, Gentiles' uh, meal wasn't kosher. It was not a. It was not based on the law of Moses that God had given them a dietary diet uh, law. They had to eat. They could not eat unclean animals. Remember, this was part of them being set apart as a nation, a people of God. God did that in an outward expression to show that they were different from the rest of the pagan world. But now in Christ, Jesus has taken away what separated us and brought the two and made them one in his, on the cross. Hallelujah. In his body, he made the two one. The hostility, he removed it on the cross. We give God the glory for that because you and I can, can have salvation because of Jesus Christ and faith in him alone. It's not based on anything else. And, and so he began to withdraw. And this was a normal view among the Jews at that time because they believed that they would be defiled by eating the foods the Gentiles ate and and by spending too much time with them they would be defiled like they wouldn't even go into a sinner's house, a Gentile's house this is how strict they were can you imagine as Christians that uh, a co-worker invites us to their home and because they're not Christians we wouldn't dare go into their house we wouldn't have fellowship with them we wouldn't eat with them That is hypocritical to the truth of the gospel. He's the God of the nations. Jesus came to save all. Hallelujah. The gospel is inclusive of all, but it's exclusive in the sense that only through Him can you be saved. Only through Him is salvation. Only through Him is justification. Only through Jesus Christ is uh, righteousness. We can't get it any other way. There is no name given to men under heaven by which they must be saved. Only at the name of Jesus. Jesus declared it himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. And this was so important. Peter's actions, uh, Peter's actions not only condemned him, but also caused others like Barnabas to be led astray by his hypocrisy. His hypocritical actions caused other Christians to be led astray. How about, think about your life. What are you doing that could lead other Christians astray the way you live? What are you doing? How are you demonstrating the truth of the gospel in your life? Or are you not demonstrating the truth of the gospel? This is serious. And this is why Paul confronts it. And we might think we read a letter like this. What does it have to do with us in 2022? It has to do a lot because as believers, if we live a hypocritical life, a double life, we are denying the truth of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is where Jesus comes into a heart and transform a man from the inside out. Their their hearts have been transformed. And can I tell you, we're not going to be perfect in that because we're still in this body of death. But we still have to remember that our actions can lead people astray or they can draw them near to Jesus. The issue is what are we going to do with that? And you know what is awesome about our Lord? That if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Why? Because Jesus paid it all and all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but He 
washed it white as snow. Amen? Jesus is the one that washes away our sin. He is the one that we owe our, our, our devotion to, not this world. The things of this world are passing away, guys. But the man who does the will of God will live forever. <laughs> you know, the problem here is Paul, as he's confronting Jesus, all of us were like, but, but Peter, if he, if he received the same gospel, why did he draw back? Well, because of fear. He drew back. He, he, his fear of what the circumcision group would think of him drove him to draw back from the Gentiles. It was his fear of man. When you fear men and you draw back from the truth of the gospel, you are not in the right. You stand condemned. You stand guilty before God. Why? Because we are not to be those who draw back, but we're to be those who believe and are saved. We're to be those who continue to walk with Him. Hey, oh man, I know this life is hard. I know the, 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 the desires that your flesh may have to go contrary to the will of God, but the Bible tells us that in Christ, we have the victory. If we put our hope in Him, if we put our trust in Him, we will have victory over our flesh, the devil, and the world. We will have the victory. But we got to submit to God. We cannot do this in our own power. That is why God has given us the Holy Spirit. There are Christians today who, who don't even acknowledge the Holy Spirit's role in their life, who, who have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit in power. They're not living the Acts 1-8 life. They're not being experienced the joy of having fellowship with God's Spirit uh, and, 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 and that communion. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's role in your life, the role of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life, you know what it is? To glorify Jesus. It's not to glorify Himself. The, the, the Holy Spirit isn't wanting you to preach about Him. He wants you to preach about Jesus. He wants you to declare Jesus. He wants to lift up Jesus. Hallelujah. He wants Jesus to be the highlight. He comes and He comes and he, He's the paracletos. He comes alongside us and He empowers us. Why? Because our flesh is weak, but we need His strength. But the problem is, are we holding fast to Him? Are we saying, Lord, strengthen me today? Do you wake up in the morning and, and do you surrender yourself? Do you humble yourself before God and say, Lord, I need you today. Lord, I don't know what's in front of me today. I don't know what I'm going to face at my job. I don't know what I'm going to face on campus today. I don't know what I'm going to face at my school this morning. I don't know the desires that are waging within me, those things that want to lead me astray from you. But Lord, I submit to you this morning. I humble myself and ask you, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Strengthen me today, Lord. Help me to be a light and salt in this earth. Help me to glorify you. Help me to live for you. Man, I'm telling you, when we don't do that in our lives, we will be defeated. We will not be walking as conquerors that Jesus has called us to be. And he actually empowered us to be. Oh, man, I pray God is ministering to you this morning. You see, Peter knew the message because years before this moment, God had done something in Peter that transformed his life. Jesus had revealed to Peter uh, something. And I want to just remind you of this encounter. This was in Acts chapter 10. Peter was in his home in Joppa, and he was in his time of prayer, and, and he, he, he went into a trance. He, was, he saw a vision. And uh, in this vision, uh, in Acts chapter 10, uh, from heaven, a, a, um, a cloth with all kinds of unclean animals to the Jewish people, you know, like pig and, and, and things with hooves. They, they saw these animals and, 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 and the Lord said, eat, take and eat, kill and take and eat. 
And Peter said, Lord, never has anything unclean touched my lips. And God said to him, don't call what I call clean, clean unclean. This is what he says when he's at Cornelius. So see, this was all happening because Cornelius at the same time, in his time with prayer, God, an angel visits Cornelius. This was a Gentile. Cornelius is visited by an angel of God. And he says, God has heard your prayers and God has seen your good, your, your giving towards his people. God has seen what he, his heart was after him. And God wanted to bring the message of salvation to the household of Cornelius because Cornelius' heart was after God, was looking for him, even though he did not know him. He had no idea who this God was. He, he believed in him. And, and the only way that salvation can come to this Gentile was through the message that God had given Peter, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. And that message. So he gets out of this dream. Peter gets out of this dream. Uh, Paul, uh, uh, Cornelius, the angel tells him to, hey, go take, send two of your servants to Joppa and ask for this man named Peter to come and bring a message to you. And so he obeys and, and he sends his men and they go. And the moment that Peter finishes watching this vision, it happened several times in, in, in sequence to him. There's a knock at the door. And that knock at the door was those servants of Cornelius knocking at the door. And Peter starts to get, uh, who are these, you know, he, we're here to, you know, our master said we to come and, and get this uh, man named Peter. He has a message to give him. And Peter, you know, like us, we probably like, what is going on here? I just saw this vision God had given me. And now I get a knock at the door and these men want me to go to a Gentile's house. This was not kosher, guys. This was not, again, this for a Jew to enter a, a Gentile, which they deemed unclean people was to defile themselves, remember? But this was not the message of Jesus. Remember, Jesus told them, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of his heart. Look what he says in, in Acts chapter 10 after he meets with them. You know, the, if you don't know the story, basically when, Jesus, when Peter comes to the house, he, he, Cornelius says, hey, God told me to tell you to come. And he comes, he bring, he's, he's sharing the gospel message with them. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. They start, Praising God. And look what Peter begins to say. He says, he said to them, you are well aware that it is against the law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Look at uh, verses 34 and 35 of that same chapter, Acts 10. It says, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Look at that. What the essence and the truth of the gospel that God is, does not have favoritism, but accepts every nation, every, uh, accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Man, that's good. That's good news. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. Because of that truth, I stand here in the grace of God. Because of that truth of the gospel, I stand here today. You might, Pastor, where's the resurrection here? Don't worry, we're getting there. We're getting there. Let's look at Paul's rebuke now towards Peter. Let's look at this rebuke. Um, <clears throat> go back there to Galatians chapter 2. Let me grab some water here. Um, 
Let's go back here. And um, Galatians chapter 2. And let's look at his rebuke now. He says in verse 14, When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile, not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not uh, by the works of the law, because the, by the works of the law, no, will, no one will be justified. Man, he, he is like literally confronting and rebuking. Rebuking is where, where you are changing, you are coming and, and correcting someone for something that is wrong. And, and not only just correcting them like, hey, you're wrong, but then giving them the truth and how to fix it. And this is what he does. And he tells them about our justification. Uh, Paul wanted Peter to understand that his behavior was not in line with the truth of the gospel. Paul opposes Peter publicly and reveals to those men that Peter lived like a Gentile, even though he was a Jew. Peter confronts him in this moment because it's such an affront to the truth of the gospel that Paul could not keep in, uh, could not keep quiet, and he confronted him in front of those men that he was drawing away from the Gentiles. He confronted them for his hypocrisy and all the Jewish men that were with him, and he uh, did it publicly. Peter's hypocrisy was also forcing the Gentiles to follow Jewish customs uh, because, oh well, I guess we can't be with him because ultimately uh, we are not Jews; we are sinners, right? We are. Gentile, and so uh, can you imagine the 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 division that arose because of them not being in line with the truth of the gospel? That that the fact that they would separate themselves from the Gentiles, from those who they deemed impure, which God said, "Don't call what I call clean unclean." Man, wow! They were hypocrisy and Peter. See, when Peter allowed fear to cause him to draw back to observing Jewish traditions, he was seeking to justify himself before men. How? By the works of the law. He was seeking to justify himself before these Jewish men that came from James, um, and, and he began to draw away from the Gentile believers and to, to act like he no longer lives like them, that he doesn't uh, eat the same foods that they do, go to the same places they go to, shop in the same places, uh, that he is is beginning to to understand the freedom he has in Christ. Now that doesn't mean he's sinning. We're not talking about that. But they were saying the fact that you associated with a Gentile means you are defiling yourself. You are being sinful. That is not true. I mean, how can we reach people? How could the Apostle Paul not? He took this message to the Gentile world. He was a he was a missionary man. He was out there preaching the gospel in places where it wasn't a strong Jewish place. This was very pagan. And for them to not be in line with the truth of the gospel, it caused this to happen. And as a result, it led other people. Let me, let, let me read to you a definition from Easton's uh, Bible Dictionary concerning what justification means. As regard 
as regards its nature, it is the judicial act of God by which He pardons all the sins of those who believe in Christ and accounts, accepts, and treats them as righteous in the eyes of the law, i.e., as confirmed to all His demands. In addition to the pardon of sin, justification declares that all the claims of the law are satisfied in respect of the justified. Hallelujah. Do you understand that in, because of what Jesus did, because of His faithfulness in, in what He did, all the demands of the law are, uh, are, all, are, are we are justified and we satisfied in Him? Hallelujah. It is an act of a judge and not of a sovereign. Look what it says here. The law is not relaxed or set aside because of this, okay? But it is declared to be fulfilled in the strictest sense. And so the person justified is declared to be entitled to all the advantages and rewards arising from perfect obedience to the law. Can you imagine you and I who are guilty, you and I who cannot keep God's law because of what Jesus did, because of his faithfulness to God and his obedience to his heavenly father to come and to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins. He took it upon himself because he did that. You and I can, can receive the full acceptance of, of that law being fulfilled because we put our faith in him. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's awesome to me. You know, Romans 5.10. Let's go there. Romans 5.10. Actually, verse. Uh, let's look at Romans. Let's, let's look at Romans 4.25 first. We're going to end here in just a minute. Look at this, this awesome resurrection. Listen, listen to this. The resurrection brings justification in our life. Look at this. Romans 4.25, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. If you want to be justified before God, there's nothing you can do to earn it. It's what Jesus did. Jesus was faithful. Because when you look at your life, you know you haven't been faithful. I know I haven't been faithful. And that's why I need Him. That's why I put my faith in what He has done. The object of our faith as Christians is not in ourselves or some law, some rules that we follow. It is in Christ and in Him alone. We put our trust in, in what He had done, the finished work He did on Calvary and the resurrection. We put our hope in that, that His blood satisfied heaven's demand. His blood satisfied heaven's demand and therefore He rose again proving Himself to be the powerful Son of God. And because of that, you and I today, if you would humble yourself, you call on His name, the Bible says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Not saved because of what they're doing. Not saved because of what they're going to do. Saved because of what Jesus did. The faithfulness that Jesus uh, was living and lived for us. We can have eternal life. Hallelujah. Uh, Romans 5, 1 and 2, look at this. <laughs> Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the whom, 
through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Our boasting is not in ourselves. There's nothing that we can boast. We're saved by, by grace through faith, not of ourselves. This is a gift of God. Hallelujah. Faith is the vehicle by which we receive God's grace, by which we receive justification, by which we receive righteousness. It is faith in what? Not faith in just to have faith, but faith has an object. And that object is the faithful Son of God. It is Jesus Christ and Him alone. This is why we proclaim. This is why we celebrate on Easter the resurrection. Because of that resurrection, our heart, your heart could be full this morning. Because of that resurrection, you can be justified just as if you've never sinned. Glory to God. Because of what Jesus had done, we can trust in Him. And lastly, Roman, uh, Romans 5.9, look at what it says. We're going to read here in verse 9 and 10. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that good news? I hope it's been good news to you today. Man, the resurrection really is, is the, it is just, it's awesome. Why? Because of what Jesus did. I pray that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today through the Word of God. Oh man, if you, if you just surrender your heart to Him, God wants to save you. God wants to wash you clean. You can't clean yourself. I mean, this isn't, Sin isn't like getting a stain on your shirt and you getting something and, and cleaning it out. No, no, no. No, we, we needed the blood of Jesus. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Without Jesus, the, the Son of God, bleeding on a, on a cross for you, for me, and for the world, there would be no hope. There were, we, would, we would still be lost. We would be in darkness. Oh, but light has come to you today. Will you receive it? Will you put your trust in Him? Would you repent of your sin? Would you say, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. I confess to you, I repent of my sin. And would you pray and say, I believe in you, Lord Jesus. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to save me and deliver me. I, I believe that in you I can be saved and I can have righteousness because of what you did. I believe that God raised you from the dead. The Bible says if you confess the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Would you pray that right there where you are? Would you just fall on your knees before God and call to him? Man, he will hear you. And not only will he hear you, but he will answer and he'll fill you with his spirit. And man, I don't know if you, uh, if you have any church experience or anything, but I pray that God through his spirit will put, plug you into a body of Christ wherever you are, where you can worship and you can serve there and you can be a part of God's body, God's community, the household of God. He wants that for you. If you're a Christian today and you've been living a hypocritical life, you've been living a double life today, repent. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to revive your heart, to give you a love and a desire for His Word and to make Him known to others, to make Jesus known by the way you live, by the, by the way you love people. God, I ask you to have your way this morning. We thank you for your precious word. 
We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and we'll see you next time. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah.